Welcome to Interpod, a podcast by Interpride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Today we speak to Christine Garina, who is the president of APOA, the European Pride Organizers Association. This past year, Europe and the LGBTQ community has experienced a lot of challenges, especially with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Before we get to the interview, here's Michael Lavers from the Washington Blade with our global LGBTQIA news. This is Michael Lavers, and I'm the international news editor for the Washington Blade, America's LGBTQI news source. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's government on January 16th announced it will block Scotland's gender recognition reform bill, which would allow transgender people in the country to obtain legal recognition without a medical diagnosis. The measure received final approval in the Scottish Parliament last month. Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, in a sharply worded statement, said she will, quote, never apologize for trying to spread equality. Police in Kenya on January 4th found the body of Edwin Chiloba, a prominent LGBTQI activist and model, inside a metal box on the side of a road. Amnesty International and U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price are among those who condemned Chiloba's murder and urged Kenyan authorities to thoroughly investigate it. Local media reports indicate authorities allege a photojournalist has confessed to killing Chiloba because he cheated on him. Several other people have been charged in connection with Chiloba's murder. Thousands of former Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro's supporters on January 8th stormed their country's Congress, Supreme Court, and Presidential Palace. Erika Hilton, one of two transgender women elected to the Brazilian Congress last October, is among those who are leading efforts to hold Bolsonaro responsible for the insurrection. Ilten is also among the Brazilian LGBTQI elected officials who were threatened less than two weeks later while attending a first-of-its-kind conference in Brasilia, the country's capital. In other news, the European Court of Human Rights on January 23rd ruled Lithuania's anti-LGBTQI propaganda law violates the European Convention on Human Rights. Openly gay U.S. Congressman George Santos, who represents portions of New York City and Long Island in the U.S. House of Representatives, continues to face scathing criticism over his fabricated biography that includes claims that his parents survived September 11th. The Republican lawmaker, who has previously spoken against same-sex parents, has also faced questions about videos that appear to show him in drag in Brazil. This is Michael Lavers from The Washington Blade, Please visit us at WashingtonBlade.com if you would like to receive more news about LGBTQI rights around the world. My name is uh, Christine Garina. My pronouns are uh, she, her. And I am currently president of uh, EPOA, or European Pride Organizers Association, and this is my eighth year in the position. EPOA currently is a network of pride organizers in Europe that is quite uh, quite big and important for, for European prides, for networking, for supporting each other. But of course, it started differently. It started with the Euro Pride that came before the organization. First Euro Pride that took place in London in, in, in 1992 when uh, a few big major prides came together and thought, let's do this joint event uh, for Europe. And it has grown quite a lot since. And uh, uh, we've done a lot of, especially in the last uh, 
uh, five, six years, we've been really working towards uh, this network being not only for big prides that we all heard about, like Amsterdam or London or Berlin, but it would also serve smaller prides from everywhere in Europe, regardless uh, of their size, their budget. Uh, so it's quite, uh, it's turned quite diverse. In your opinion, do you have a particular Euro pride that really stands out for you? And it could be personal or it could be political. Uh, from the organization's point of view, from uh, EPOA's point of view, it is always the last one, the latest one. And then when it's done, it's always the next one. That is the most important Euro pride that we've ever had. But uh, for me personally, it certainly was 2015 when Europride came to Riga, to my city. So I am from Riga, Latvia, and Europride took place here in 2015. And it really did change. It changed the Pride movement, but it also changed the LGBT uh, plus uh, activism and movement here. So it was it was quite a big uh, turning point for us to organize it. We bid against the amazing cities and we we this tiny, <laughs> tiny small pride in, in the capital of Latvia won uh, the rights to hold Euro pride. And it, it, it was huge. And it, it, it not only changed uh, the pride here in Riga, Latvia and in the Baltics, but it also changed the. Uh, my personal personal life because that's how I got involved in Europride and a year later I was elected uh, the president so that was quite quite significant Europride for me. And just to dive a little bit deeper into that how do you think that that affected LGBTQIA plus rights in Latvia? It definitely created a boost for the community because uh, Pride was always this in Riga. Pride in Riga was always very difficult. It was uh, the first Pride. There were only 70 people and uh, there were several thousands of protesters that surrounded this small group of people and, and did not let them march. So that's uh, and, and then it developed, of course, and we had uh, 350 people in the Pride March. And it it was very difficult to get the community come out and join the Pride in large numbers because it would guarantee that you end up in the press, on the news, because there were so few people marching. And there were big protests. They were quite violent as well at times. So it was quite an unpleasant experience. But with uh, 2015, it kind of it changed because it was this European, uh, European Pride angle. People suddenly realized, oh, we're not alone. We're not alone. This is something bigger than just Riga Pride or Baltic Pride. This is something that uh, we can actually uh, join. And this was the first time when we had a huge group of uh, allies forming. They were like uh, cultural uh, people from the culture, uh, from 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 music, from 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 different areas, forming these groups of allies. And and so LGBTQI people who wanted to join the march but couldn't before, they could hide in those groups and they didn't they weren't that visible because there were so many people who, who came out and joined. This was to me personally, I saw the change that yeah, we can join because this is not the small marginal little march where people actually fight their way through the streets this is something bigger this is actually a celebration and, and a festival and look at all those uh group different groups of allies the first time a company's uh, businesses joined before we never had that so Europride had that effect on on our march and in addition to that we were uh 
finally taken seriously by the authorities. Uh, the negotiations with the police, with the city council, with all the authorities were much easier having this Europride brand on our side. Like this is a European event. So this is really important. There will be European politicians, there will be political leaders from all over Europe present here. So the police and uh, the authorities suddenly took it more seriously as well. So this year started a positive cooperation with the authorities as well for us. And ever since it's been really good and it's been growing every year. So I do truly believe that Europride changed that for us. Tell us about the most current Europride and the significance of it. The, the last Europride we had in September uh, 2022 was Europride in Belgrade. And that was uh, to date the most important and the most significant Europride that we have ever had. We were really looking forward to it. We knew it's going to be difficult when Belgrade uh, bid for to host Europride. They didn't. They didn't hide from us, from our members who choose where your pride goes to. They didn't hide the fact that it is probably going to be difficult. There will be a lot of resistance. There will be a lot of protests, but it is important for Belgrade to, to host it. Uh, the first ever pride in Belgrade was very, very violent. People died in that in that pride. From uh, The protests were so uh, violent that the following 10 years, they didn't even organize pride anymore because the community was traumatized and the organization wasn't willing to put themselves and the, and the community through that again. So the next uh, Europride, when it, when it did take place 10 years later, that was, uh, that was the first Belgrade Pride where I went to. And that was uh, very different from anything that even I've experienced, although I've been organizing Prides in, in Riga that I consider unfriendly environment at, at that point and sometimes even hostile environment uh, but it was nothing compared to what we saw in Belgrade when the entire city was turned into like this military operation where the streets were blocked off for like so far away you couldn't even see any people or any cars it's like you were walking in a completely empty city you couldn't see anything but the police uh, as far as you can see around you and then later uh, later we learned that uh, the protests were so massive outside of that blocked off corridor where we were the protests uh, were so massive that they caused 1 million euros damage to the city with the, all the broken windows and all the all the damage that the protest caused so it, it was that's how belgrade started and 10 years later they were ready to host your pride and we thought this is this is such an amazing proof that pride actually does work it does change things you just have to keep doing it no matter how difficult it is at times and that that's what often cities like belgrade where, where you've had really difficult violent prides that, that traumatize community and people ask what do we do and the only advice we can give as pride organizers is just stay safe but keep doing it because doing it every year, step by step, little by little, you actually cha you are changing it. So yeah, we went to Belgrade with Europride and it was difficult, but there was a march. It was a big pride march, uh, the biggest they've ever had. And not everyone was able to join. There were lots of people who, who couldn't march, but a lot of people did. And for those people, it matters. And also for those people who saw it, it matters. So the next year or the year after, they will be able to join. So that 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 was really really quite an important uh, Europride, not just because 
Belgrade and Serbia uh, has a lot of uh, political significance in the Balkan region, but also because of the war in Ukraine that is happening uh, right right nearby, and the Serbian authorities trying to be at the same time pro-European, but uh, at the same time also having pro-Russian sentiments in in there officially. So it was quite. Um, it's quite it was quite tense the political situation but we did it and i do do truly believe it was the most important euro pride we have ever had you spoke of ukraine and this is all happening the same time as the russian invasion in ukraine and many of our lgbtqia plus community members in ukraine we know you know the stories that have come out of the country and just trying to survive either by joining forces with the military or escaping. How has APOA reacted, you know, to what's happening in Ukraine? Yeah, I think here in, in Europe, everything we've done in the last uh, almost a year now, because we're coming up to this very tragic and, and, and painful anniversary of one year since the latest and the most brutal invasion of Russia into Ukraine. Uh, that's coming up in, in February. But uh, everything we've done since has been connected somehow and affected by the war in Ukraine. We, uh, Whatever we do, we, we, we cannot forget it and we cannot ignore it. Or it's just impossible for us. So everything we do really is like every step we take, we always consider that there is a war happening right next to us in Ukraine and there are people suffering there. It's quite a difficult uh, situation when you know that the help you can give people is very, very limited, but you give what you can and that's the only thing we can do. And I think I've my probably my proudest moment in the Pride movement was when we opened up our... Um, fundraiser for Ukraine, uh, we said, okay, please, Pride, and this was just for the, our Pride network, Prides, please donate. So uh, all the money that you donate will go directly to our members, to Pride organizers in Ukraine, and uh, they can do with it whatever they want, because this is this is the really difficult time for them. And we'll just provide, and money can't buy everything, but we can provide what the money can buy, and we'll do our best. And the, within a very, very short period of time, we've raised 100,000 euros, uh, which is more than $100,000 for our Ukrainian members, just from our own organizations. And it was quite touching to see the solidarity. And of course, there was huge contribution from big prides and financially more successful prides, but also smaller prides and prides like there was a pride in the UK that donated 1,000 pounds, which is a huge amount for them. And apparently everything they had in the bank at that point, because the solidarity they felt was so strong. And this this is the spirit of pride. We know there are our, our people are there in Ukraine fighting. So we do what we can to help them. And um, yeah, we've done uh, we've done a lot of things we never thought we need we'll need to do. And also our members, uh, pride organizers in Ukraine, in Kiev, in Kharkiv, they've turned into a completely different organization. So they need to do humanitarian help. They need to deliver food. They need to do shelters for, for people instead of organizing pride. They've turned around their entire lives in, and then their entire work into the support organization for the community. And it's so inspiring to see 
the work they still managed to do through this. And yeah, we help them uh, with what we can. What we quickly realized that you can't just send money to an organization in Ukraine because uh, they can't buy things because they're just not available. Uh, so money isn't everything. In, in Finally, there is a situation where we see that solidarity means more than actual cash. So we spend the money here. We bought the station wagons, the cars, we loaded them with the stuff what they need, and we delivered them to Ukraine. So instead of money, we delivered the things that they cannot buy, but we can. So the, we had to think differently how we can support them. And the key, of course, is just listening and asking, so what is it that you need? And then say, yeah, we need stuff for shelters. We need sleeping bags. We need canned food. Those things that we don't think about every day, that you need things you can you can eat if you don't have electricity for days. You need, uh, you need, you need things that are so taken for granted in our world. So we learned a lot through that process as well. And we've been doing what we can, but the, the solidarity that prides all over Europe and also internationally have shown to our, to our siblings in Ukraine is, is really, really inspiring. Considering that, you know, there's still a lot of work to do, the anti-LGBTQ sentiments, especially in, you know, Central Europe, as president of APOA, what are a couple things that we need to keep in mind as, as far as continuing the work? Continuing the work is really easy because there is no other option. And what we see, especially in Europe, where countries are so close to each other, we are like really, uh, we can drive for, for, for two, three hours and we cross two or three countries sometimes. We're very close uh, politically and geographically. And we know through that, that homophobia or transphobia or biphobia don't stay within certain borders. It will always spread. It will not stay isolated in one country. So it's never going to be the case that Europe will be this great LGBTQI plus friendly place. And there will be one country like Hungary that will be unfriendly and homophobic. No, either we will lift it up to our level or, or we will allow it to drag us down to theirs. It's never going to stay that way. So we have to, we see it very practically that unless we fight it, we're going to lose the rights we already have. And this is quite a powerful, uh, powerful reminder to us all. We can see there are countries in the middle of Europe that are not that friendly. And the only option we have is to lift them up and help them and and support them through this uh, to 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 get it right. Otherwise, otherwise, we're all going to find ourselves in that situation pretty soon. And uh, we see that all over the world. It's just so much more evident when you're so close together geographically. So that's uh, that's. <laughs> That's my take from it. There is no other option than just to keep uh, keep going and keep working, and especially the pride movement. Uh, we know uh, how pride movement works. We know that it's very effective. This is the most effective like civil rights movement in the world. I mean, what other movement have had these marches for 50 years, every year in, in almost every uh, corner of the world. And we see how they bring change, how they support communities, how they support um, everybody. So this is the strongest tool that we have, and we just need to keep keep using it. The last and final question, uh, obviously, most of the uh, people who listen to the episode or this podcast are Interpride members. What's coming up for APOA in 2023, and how can Interpride members support APOA? 
I think we all need to support each other more through talking to each other more. And as I already said before, listening to each other and actually hearing what we need and um, keep listening, but not, not a poor and enterprise, but our members, because we, what are we? We are, we are a network. So we are there for the members who, uh, who we unite. So uh, it's almost like uh, we are not that important. The, the most important part is the network itself, and we need to listen to them and hear them, and they will tell us what is the most important thing that is needed at the time. But for uh, 2023, unfortunately, it looks like we'll have to support uh, Ukraine a lot longer than we initially thought this war is going to is not going to stop anytime soon and unfortunately there will be a lot of support needed and we will uh, we will do that we'll, we're not going to stop uh, there's no way so that's going to be quite quite an important uh, part of our work unfortunately still until uh, ukraine wins there's no other other option here and our uh, political work pride is political through the way how it influences politics in in every country and i'm i keep telling that to to people since pride in Bel your pride in belgrade how the president and the prime minister and the government ministers were so afraid of those people marching that they would lie they would manipulate the information they would uh, they would do a, almost anything not to allow us to march which demonstrates the the incredible power that people have who march at prides. And this is what we need to remember. So we need to keep marching. Uh, this will bring change also to the to those countries that uh, still desperately need that change. And that's what EPO is going to do, just support uh, our members and just inspire them to, to, to do the work they are doing. And, and they know the best in, in each country what is the right way to to pride there is no one one correct way it's it's only people on the ground know that but whatever they choose to do we just need to support them is all we have thank you so much for joining us for our very first episode of 2023 you can listen to all past episodes at interpride.org and also there you can find more information about our upcoming world conference happening in san diego of course world pride that's happening in sydney australia and our 40th anniversary gala that's coming up in los angeles so go to interpride.org this is interpod a podcast by interpride where the world comes together for the lgbtqia plus community